Lions, Bengals, and Bears, none of my guys scared. Chase rumbling, any one of them guys there. Wayne Young and he hungry, I pray we patient with him. I pray he leave with some money, I pray he leave with his health. Yeah. Uh, the physical and mental The thing I like about football is that stats kill opinions It's rap shit I licked it I ain't about to knock it This whole summer I was buying all the winter product And I tried being peaceful But my peace was getting bothered So no doubt we got them eagles We go Carson Wentz, Stefani Okay, 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 okay What's going on ladies and gentlemen Welcome to episode 118 of Electrified I'm your host, Eric Lyons now, look, man, we got a lot to get through today. I'm not going to lie to you. We have a lot to talk about today, a lot to unpack uh, around the league and NFL today. Today will be all football stuff, all football. Um, we'll be discussing the big thing here today is the new NFL minority rule. We'll be talking about black coaches in the NFL and everything. You know what I mean? If you follow me on social media, you know I've been posting about this stuff since you know, uh, these past couple of days and getting you guys, you know, let you guys know what the vibe for today was going to be and why today's episode is titled 1986. You will find out very shortly after that. We'll be talking about, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this, uh, this great woman's name, uh, correctly. I want to say Amy Pulsick. I want to say that, uh, the former, Vice President of Communications for the Houston Texans was fired yesterday for virtually no reason. So we'll get into that as well. Then we'll talk about the NFL potential NFL playoff COVID expansion. Uh, and then we'll talk about what's going on with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry. And then before we wrap up with the week 10 pick four, I want to do a little Joe Flacco appreciation, man, because I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Joe on Monday night. And it just brought up so many memories, you know, growing up here in Baltimore, you know, it's Ravens Nation here, even though I'm a Packers fan. I enjoyed, you know, watching Joe Flacco growing up as um here in there in town. So yeah, man, we'll with Joe Flacco appreciation that I'll wrap up week ten for um excuse me, I'll pick the pick four for week ten. But um a lot to get through today, but before we get to that, I just wanted to let you guys know that there will be a Black Friday sale for the Electrified merch. I'll be making that announcement very soon, so when I say soon, it could be tomorrow. So keep an eye out on that and get you guys some merch. So let's get right into it. All right, so I believe it was a couple of days ago that the rule... For the new uh, NFL, the NFL minority rule was passed. This was um, something that was talked about a couple of a couple of months ago, and I didn't like it when I first heard about it. I didn't like it, and I, and they tabled it. They put it away. They said they weren't going to do it. I'm like, All right, cool. They weren't going to do it, and then now they're doing it. So it 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 really did bother me. It bothered me. It still bothers me that they're doing this. So. Let's get into this. All right. Affirmative action. Affirmative action is a policy in which an individual's color, race, sex, religion, or national origin are taken into account to increase opportunities provided to an... Uh, okay, I'm sorry, my handwriting. <laughs> an underrepresented... Part of society Once again Affirmative action A policy in which An individual's Color, race, sex, religion Or national origin Are taken into account 
to increase opportunities provided to underrepresented parts of society. The Rooney Rule. NFL policy that requires league teams to interview ethnic minority candidates for head coach and senior football operation jobs. Once again, the Rooney Rule. An NFL policy that requires league teams to interview ethnic minority candidates for head coaching and senior fo- uh, football operation jobs. The NFL has three black head coaches. Mike Tomlin. Anthony Lynn and Brian Flores. Two black offensive coordinators, Eric Bieniemy and Byron Leftwich. Ten black defensive coordinators. Two black GMs, Cleveland's Andrew Berry and Miami's Chris Greer. The league is virtually 70% black. You have a football league. You have a league of players. Built up of black athletes, black talents. Some of the best players on the planet are black in the NFL. But the masterminds. The people in charge are not, they're not black. Three black head coaches in the year 2020. Once again, there are three black head coaches in the NFL in the year 2020. The first black head coach in the modern era. In the modern era, was 1989. Excuse me, 1986. 1986. That's when we got the first black coach in the NFL. In the modern era, 1986. Art Shell, the first black head coach in the modern era. Now Fritz Pollard. That's back in the 20s. Now, I I wasn't around yet. I don't think any of you guys were around yet, but not back in the 1920s. There was a man named Fritz Pollard. He was black. Not only did he assist, he was basically a co-coach, right? A co-coach, and he played. And then after his playing career, he would end up going to make a team full of just black players. He coached a team full of black players and played and coached uh, against other teams. But Fritz Pollard, Back in the 1920s, before the NFL, before the NFL became the NFL, and then 1989, Art Shell became the first black head coach. So in 1989, there was one black head coach. Here we are in 2020. There are three black head coaches. Does that sound like progress to you? Changing a team's name, putting some lo- putting some decals on a helmet. That's that's not progressive. Yeah, sure, we're ch- we're making changes. Like I said, I don't I don't like to do that. I've said this in the past. I don't ask why now. I try not to do that. 
But you changed, you know, you changed your football team's name. Good. You, you know, years later, you just realized that the Washington football's team name was racist. Cool. You, you fixed that. Cool. 2020 made a lot of people realize that, that police brutality and, and racism actually still very much exists in 2020. Cool. The NFL finally got that. Cool. Put in racism on the field. What, what did they say? Oh, it takes all of us. Put, the, put in racism on the helmet. Put the names of black people who were slain by the police on the back of the helmets. Cool. Cool. But that doesn't change the fact that there are three black head coaches in the league. 32 teams. Three black head coaches. The league is 70% black, though. I'm not blaming this directly on the NFL, the entire NFL. I'm not going to blame that on, you know, on the league. I'm talking to the 32 owners, the, the GMs, you know what I mean? The people in power. They make the calls. They make the decisions. They're the reasons why we have the Rooney Rule right now. You have to interview a person of color when you're trying to find a new head coach, new GM, or you know any senior ops position. You have to do that because of the Rooney Rule. Does that mean you have to hire them? No. But you have to give them a chance. So, the new rule, teams will now be compensated draft picks for losing minority staff members to head coaching jobs elsewhere and premium jobs. So now when, when a black staff member goes off and becomes a head coach or, you know, Gets promoted from uh, a, a position coach to an OC somewhere else Or they go and, and become a, a GM or something like that The team gets draft picks when they go Now, it may not, saying it And some of you hearing it It might not sound crazy to you But let me, let me, let me break it down for you Let me break it down for you So you can fully understand You're rewarding teams for basically being diverse in 2020. It's like, thank you. Thank you for uh, having somebody black in your coaching staff in the year 2020. So here, since you did that, since, since you did that, here's some draft picks for you. Somebody help me understand that. You're giving a team, you're giving teams a bonus instead of the minority coach who was being promoted. I mean, think about it this way. I don't even think I would be mad if like if a coach go to a new team and they get the draft picks. But then again, that's that's hiring them. I mean that's that's rewarding them for hiring a black coach. So either way, it's nasty. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. It's, it's not a good look. Please tell me why the Chiefs 
need to be compensated if and when Eric Bieniemy goes out and gets a head coaching job. Think about it this way, people. Think about it this way. If you're not if you're not understanding the problem, that's like a university, a PWI, predominantly white institution. That's like if they get a hundred thousand dollars after a black student graduates. Once again, this is like <laughs> a PWI getting a hundred thousand dollars every time a black student graduates from their school. Doesn't that sound a little a little bit racist right there? Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna enroll more black students so that way when they graduate, we get a hundred thousand dollars. Think about it this way. The white run organization gets a pat on the back for their black student or employee finding outside success. It's like they're trying to credit teams for their success. It's like they're saying the Chiefs by 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 Eric Bieniemy working with the Chiefs and and under Andy Reid, we've we've built him up to be the man that he is today. So he, he so he can go out and get a head coaching job. That's what it looks like to me. That's what it looks like. It looks like they're giving the organizations the credit and not the coach. Not the coach. That's what it looks like to me. Another minor- another minority coach who should be up for a head coaching job after this season. Should have been after this past season. Robert Sa- Robert Sala. I might be pronouncing his name wrong. Sala Sala. You guys know the the uh, the 49ers defensive coordinator. Bald head hype dude. He's not black, but he's in the minority. He's not white. In this case, we have to lump everybody together because it's so small. There are my the, the minority representation in the NFL when it comes to coaching is minuscule. It's minuscule. So let's say Robert Saylor go, go go gets a job. Say he goes this offseason, he ends up coaching um the Falcons, maybe. Because that, that job will be open after this season. The 49ers will get compensatory picks for that? Really? Imagine giving a team compensatory picks for Robert Saylor's work last season, the 49ers last season. Did that defense that defense took them to the Super Bowl? Credit Kyle Shanahan, you know, for the run game. But ultimately that 49ers defense Big part of their success, correct? Now imagine the 49ers without Robert Saylor last year. Imagine the Chiefs with no Eric Bieniemy. Would those teams look a little different? I think so. So how can you congratulate organizations for the work that one man or one or two men have accomplished? 
Tell me that. Tell me that. Tell me why the Chiefs deserve compensatory picks when Eric Bieniemy, with with the help of Andy Reid, but Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator, had the 2018 Chiefs looking like the greatest show on turf. How do they get that? It looks crazy to me. It looks crazy. Like I said, it's like they're rewarding them for for growing them and their success. No way. No way. No way. No way. That that's not right. They didn't teach how Eric Benemy how to run an offense. They didn't teach him how to how to draw up a play. They didn't teach him that. He knew that coming in. That's why he got the job. So help me understand how this how this is this rule makes any sense or it's not offensive. Because it's offensive as hell to me. It don't make no sense to me. And I can't be the only one who feels this way. I can't. Imagine if Bill Belichick got draft picks for all the coordinators and assistants who went on to become head coaches. That'd be kind of crazy, right? Because he only had one black one go out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brian Flores, he goes out. He's the head coach of the Dolphins. What if he got picks for that? That would be kind of crazy, I think. It don't make no sense to me. It's just some some things just don't need to be done. Does it? And you talk about progression and 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 changing and making change and oh this is gonna make change and then, well, how? How so? How so? Like I said, nineteen eighty nine, there was one black head coach. The first one at that. It's 2020. There are three black head coaches. What progress have we made? What progress have we made? The league is 70% black. There are three black head coaches. What progress have we made? And you're talking about progressive. You know, this new rule, this 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 new minority rule with these, you know, these picks. This is as progressive as states and city. You know, stopping police officers from choking people to death. It's like, hey, you know what I mean? You're not supposed to do that, but hey, we're going to tell you not to. That's not prog- that's not progress. That's just something that should already that's something already that should that shouldn't be done. What I'm saying is, you shouldn't get a pat on the ass for doing the right thing. It, it it just doesn't make any sense to me. This rule makes me mad, and it makes me look at the NFL very funny. But I mean, we all have had something to look at the NFL funny about over these last four years, though. So this is just piling it on, just piling it on. You want to be mad about something when you talk about the NFL? This is something that you should be mad about. But it's deeper than that. It's deeper than this. It's, it's it's way deeper than this. Talk about the overall perception of black coaches in the National Football League. Less room for error. Like I said, when we talked about the black quarterback a couple of weeks ago with the Dwayne Haskins situation, I touched on this briefly, and I told you guys that I would come back to this another time. Did I know it was going to be this fast? No, I did not. 
But another time has arrived So it's time to talk about it Black coaches Less room for error You don't have You don't have a chance to be bad as a black coach You don't have the opportunity to grow You can't be average You gotta be Tony Dungy Mike Tomlin You gotta play You gotta be up there There's no middle ground There's no middle ground for black head coaches in the NFL Their lifespan is much shorter than than white head coaches And you can't tell me otherwise All you gotta do is your Googles And you can see that Or be an adamant fan of the game Or have a working brain And you can see that Black coaches and black quarterbacks They're virtually the same that their white counterparts can be average for years and remain in their position. But black black quarterbacks, black coaches, they don't get that luxury to be average. Let's look at Mike Tomlin. Tuesday I talked about Mike Tomlin and how he's the most winning black coach. In football history And I mean you know 14 seasons No losing seasons I talked about that Let's talk about that No losing seasons Only went 8-8 eight and eight Three times 1-1 one and one in the Super Bowl Missed the playoffs Only 5 times In 14 seasons Only 5 times In 14 seasons That he missed the playoffs You talk about that Right You hear his track record Good track record, right? Don't sound don't sound too crazy. Now you look at let's look at another black head coach. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles coached for the Jets for a couple of years, right? He's now the uh defensive coordinator down in Tampa. Down in Tampa. So Todd Bowles in four seasons, his first season with the Jets, started ten and he went ten and six. They almost went to the playoffs that year. I remember that season. Five and he went five and eleven twice, four and twelve. That's four seasons. Four seasons. He was fired after three seasons of losing. That's only four seasons. You go ten and six your first year. Three straight losing seasons. Then he was gone. Now, I talked about this on Twitter, and I asked somebody say, you know, it's not a. Not a truly fair comparison When I talk about Jason Garrett's tenure in Dallas Now I get that Jared Jones is an anomaly He's an odd man I don't know why he kept Jason Garrett around for so long But it still It still works Everything is circumstantial Absolutely The Jets and the Dallas organization They're both You know They're not that great So I can make this comparison and I will make this comparison. Let's look at Jason Garrett. His first three seasons as a head coach for the Dallas Cowboys, they went eight and eight. Three times. Three times. Three straight times they went eight and eight. That's not a playoff record. Even in the NFC East, that's not a playoff record. Only made the playoffs three times in nine seasons. Three times. Jason Garrett 
started his career off with three straight losing seasons. Not losing seasons, but eight and eight. That's a losing season to me. Three straight. He didn't get fired. He got six more years. Started off average. Finished average. Three seasons of average got him six more. But Todd Bowles, three seasons of average below par, and he was gone. Do you see what I'm on? Do you, do you see the problem there? Everybody should be held accountable the same way. If you're not good at what you do, if the team you have is not good, you're, you, 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 you're average, you're gone. But somehow Jason Garrett managed to stick around. And now he's an, now he's an offensive coordinator for the Giants. Somebody tell me how the Giants are doing this season. Not very well. Is that right? Oh, uh, I, I just thought I was. I mean, the, the, the Buccaneers defense looking kind of good down there. Shout out to Ty Bowles. But I, I'm just making an observation. I'm just making an observation. That's all. That's all I'm doing. Now back to Mike Tomlin. Let's talk about the media. I want to talk about the media, and their and their. I wouldn't say scrutiny is a tough word, but the media always tries to paint certain narratives, whether it's about a player, a coach, organization, and this was this was that's not a black or white thing. That's with anybody. We all know how the media is. The media, they take a narrative, they run with it. They paint a narrative, they run with it. I get that. That's the media. But let's let's like let's take a look at something. I'm gonna go back to Mike Tomlin, right? 2013. Still started 0 and 3 in 2013. They was already asking. They was asking if he was on the hot seat. After three games, <laughs> they were asking if Mike Tomlin was on the hot seat. These are real articles I was reading. Three games. Not 0 and 8. 0 and 6. 0 and 3. It was still September. This is 2013. Couple years removed from Super Bowl appearance. And they talking about it was Mike Tomlin on the hot seat. You look fast forward this past offseason. Multiple articles over this last offseason. Analysts. Is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat? Could Mike Tomlin be fired after the season if the Steelers don't have success? Two, two, two straight years without the playoffs, it might be time for Mike Tomlin. His stay in Pittsburgh might be done. Like I said, everything is circumstantial. You talk about these past two seasons. He lost Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Two of the biggest pieces to that offense at that at that time. Not only did he lose that, but we need to give Mike uh, Mike Tomlin credit for keeping that locker room. Not only did he keep it together, but all that stuff in house. We didn't know about AB having problems with Ben. We didn't know about the Le'Veon Bell situation until they came out. Until they got out of Pittsburgh. And then all the can you know, until he wanted out of Pittsburgh, all the can of worms opened up. Mike Tomlin kept that in house. It takes a hell of a head coach to do that. 
by the way. But he loses two star players, right? Last season, Ben gets season-ending surgery. So, Mike Tomlin, three of the stars that made the Steelers so good these last five to ten years are gone. Who was the Steelers quarterback last season? Mason Rudolph. What is Mason Rudolph known for? Getting smacked with his own helmet by Miles Garrett. That was the highlight of Mason Rudolph's uh, season last year. Another highlight is when he got knocked silly against the Ravens and he had to uh, unscrew with a screwdriver, this face mask off, and he walked out of the stadium looking nuts. But that's what Mike Tomlin was dealing with. And they still had a chance to go to the playoffs at the end of the season. 8-8. Eight eight. Still, that Steelers team was playing and they were in games. They were not losing by much last season. Go look at it. That that Steelers team still had a shot. That's coaching. And now, not only did he write the ship after two years of a of a, of a mess in Pittsburgh, the Steelers are eight and zero, number one in the AFC, not the Chiefs. Not the Ravens, not the Titans, not the Texans, not the Bills. Nobody that was in in the playoffs last year. The Steelers, who missed the playoffs last year, are 8-0 and number one in the AFC. I don't hear none of that hot seat BS right now. I don't hear nobody calling for Mike Tomlin's head right now. I don't hear none of that. It's quiet for y'all. The apology should be as loud as the disrespect was. Everybody owes Mike Tomlin an apology. Is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat? Is is his stay in Pittsburgh almost up? Have y'all lost y'all damn minds? That's what I be talking about. We don't get the same luxury. There's no time to be average as a black head coach. You either you have to win, but if you lose, you're gone. You can't be in the middle. You can't have ups and downs. Only ups. Only ups. You can only win. They only like you when you're up. They only like you when you're up. And that's a fact. That's a fact. Now let's go look at Anthony Lynn. I was talking about the Chargers on Tuesday. The best 2-6 team in football. Easily could be 8-0. Now, I look on Twitter. You know, fans are frustrated. Rightfully so. You got a good team. You got a good rookie quarterback. You guys feel like you should be better than you are. And I I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Now the media, they they a lot of media heads, they're not watching a bunch of football. They're not watching every game. They're not watching every single detail. Now, fans of these teams, they see these teams week in, week out. They know the ins and outs of their team. They're super fan. They know what the problem is. A lot of Chargers fans feel like it's the offensive coordinator's problem. He's the problem. Shane, I don't know what this guy's last name. Shane something, the offensive coordinator of the of the LA Chargers, calls the plays. 
calls the plays. One more time. He is the play caller for the offense. So when you talk about the Chargers offense blowing, you know, you talk about the Chargers blowing double-digit leads. Five double-digit lead leads they blew. That comes down to conservative play calling and bad clock management. You know who that falls on? Your offensive coordinator. And this Chargers team has just had a lot of misfortune. Missed field goals. Bad calls from the refs. And just all in all, it's just been a lot of bad luck. How can we blame that on Anthony Lynn? How can we blame that on Anthony Lynn? I just want to know why the media is so focused on him getting his head chopped off and him, you know, getting him out of L.A. I don't get it. This is only his third, what is this, what, third or fourth season with L.A.? They went 12-4 and four his first season. And it's just been two down years. But like I said, this Chargers team isn't getting blown out every week. They've lost by eight points or less every week. So that's 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 the little things. It's the little things. That's not all on him. It's not. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. They 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 they've created this narrative that is all on him. Now I want to talk about a specific article. A very specific. This is a, who is this? The um, the Yardbreaker. This is a Yardbreaker article. Look it up. You can Google. Just Google. You don't even have to type the word fired in. Google Anthony Lynn, and it'll be about eight to ten articles about why he should be fired right now. That's all you got to do. And this, this, this is what the article wrote. If you look back at Anthony Lynn's coaching career, it's important to note one thing. He was only an offensive coordinator for one year before the Chargers had him. That season saw the Bills ranked 30th in passing offense. Now, now, now we're going to break this one down. This, this is all, all I needed was one quote, and I could tell y'all why this is a problem. Let's look at the first part of that. He was only an offensive coordinator for one year. So that statement right there implies that you're trying to say he's inexperienced. And by that... You know, he it disqualifies him to be a head coach. Okay, so you're saying that's that that part right there plays a part in why the Chargers are having success because he was only an offensive coordinator for one season. So that means that's why the Chargers are so bad. Okay, cool. Let's 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 stay with that right there, right? Let's stay with the the inexperienced one right there, right? Let's stay with that. Who was I talking about before the season started? Joe Judge. What did I say before the season started? Who the hell is Joe Judge? I, 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 could, I thought I said that about 15 times. I thought I said that. The same Joe Judge who got this head, co- head coaching job because he had a cup of coffee with Bill Belichick. And by that, I mean he was never an offensive coordinator. He was never a defensive coordinator. What experience does he have? No, no, he's never ran an offense, but somehow he's fit to run a football team. And that football team is ass out right now. They're not good. They're not good. They're not good. 
a lot of these white coaches, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this, but it has to be said, they don't have that much experience running anything but teams into the ground. Directly into the ground. So don't try to make Anthony Lynn's uh, one season at offensive coordinator minute school. Don't try to look down on that. And then, and then what was real cute, you know what I mean? Because they kept it real cute. I thought it was cute that they said that the Bills, you know, because he was, he was the OC for the Bills that season. I thought it was cute that they said the Bills ranked 30th in passing offense. But they failed to mention how the damn Bills were, had a franchise setting, a franchise record setting season running the football. Third all time. Rushing yards and touchdowns that season. You know Why? People, all you got to do is your Googles. It's not that hard to know why the Bills were having so much success running the ball that season. Do you know who Anthony Lynn was before he got into coaching? He's a two-time Super Bowl winning winning running back. You know what he did after that? He was a running backs coach. Assistant running backs coach. Run first. That's why the hell the Bills weren't passing the ball that much. Don't make it seem like the Bills... We're trying to be a passing team, and they just didn't have success. No, they were running the football down people's throats. Therefore, I'm pretty sure their running offense ranked much higher than their passing defense. So stop telling half-assed stories to paint your weak-ass narratives when you talk about black head coaches. Because it's not right. It's not right. At all. You look at Joe Judge. Matt Rule, Zach Taylor, none of them are having winning seasons right now. None of them. Nobody. I don't hear nobody calling for their heads. Adam Gase is awful. The Jets haven't won a game. They're 0-9. And he still has support from his GM. Imagine if Anthony Lynn was up there 0-9. Imagine if Eric Bieniemy, if he had, if he was a damn head coach, was up there 0-9. They wouldn't have a job right now. But somehow Adam Gates still was employed at 0-9. And has the GM's full support at 0-9. But Anthony Lynn at 2-6, oh, he got to go. He gotta go. The Jets been getting smoked like swishes all, all season. Had Le'Veon Bell fumbled him. It's a mess in New Jersey, not New York, New Jersey. Them niggas they don't play in New York. They play in Jersey. The Jets, zero and nine. Just lost a game on national TV on Monday night. And y'all talking about Anthony Lynn. No. No. No way. No way. No way. No way. No way. I don't get it. I mean, I get it. I do get it. I do get it. And I feel like a lot of people don't. And it's a problem. It's a problem. 
1986, ladies and gentlemen. That's when we got our first black head coach. The black head coach is an endangered species. That's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't want us here. They didn't even want to. They didn't even want us playing. Didn't want us coaching. Sure as hell don't want us to run a team. And I'm pretty sure all hell will break loose if we get the own one. It's 2020. And we still got to talk about stuff like this. If you don't see the problem, you're blind or you're just naive. Point blank period. Now let's move on. Something else. Another problem that we that's going on. So yesterday, uh, a tweet came out. I think um, Schefter, I think Adam Schefter broke the news that the Texans had fired Amy Paulson. If you don't know who, a lot of you know a lot of us probably won't know Amy Paulson. Um, she was the VP of Communications for the Texans. Uh, she was also the director of communications. Oh, um, since 2013, excuse me. Um, she was also the director of communications for the Cleveland Browns from 1999 to 2009. Uh, she was the Women in Sports and Entertainment Women of Inspiration in 2019. Uh, she was the PR. She was PR News's top woman uh, in PR in 2017, and she was also the winner of the Pete Rozelle Award in 2017. Um, so. Amy's done a lot of great things in the league, especially for the Texans. She uh, basically helped run the, what was that, the Hurricane Harvey um, relief um, uh, situation with J.J. Watt a couple years back. And um, just all around good person, uh, somebody who does her job at the top of the, you know, at the top of her game, you know, perform, excels and everything and has been with the Texans organization. Uh, running the PR for them throughout these last couple of years where they've had a lot of PR problems from their racist GM back, you know, Bob McNair, who was no longer with us. Uh, you know, they, they've had their fair share of firestorms and dumpster fires that she had to clean up. So there was a lot of media backlash uh, around the league and uh, players, former Texans players, and current ones, including J.J. Watt, you know, voicing her um, support and, 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 and very disappointed that she was let go for virtually no reason. And the reason was, what was it? She was no longer a, oh, excuse me, a, a culture fit. What culture? Losing? She wasn't a loser, so you guys had to let her go. Was that was that the culture fit? Because I don't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine what culture fit she couldn't be a part of down there in Houston. I couldn't imagine what the problem would be. So all of this right here is speculative. We're all speculating what the problem could be. Um, nobody truly knows at this time. I'm sure more will come out eventually, but right now all we can do is speculate. So let me talk about the the the, the Texans' political interests. So, former and deceased Texans owner Bob McNair donated $1.5 million to Trump's inaugural committee. So, this was back in 2000. No, this was from 2016 to 2018. So, that's $1.5 million coming out of the Texans owner's pocket. So, he passed away. His, his wife, Janice McNair, who is also old, uh, she's 84 years old. She donated. Now, she's not that much in 
and you know into the politics but hey it's it's the little things that count she 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 dug in her purse you know she ravaged through her, her monies you know looked through her pearls and and her ointments and and her and her medicine and everything like that and, and her mints and and found herself five thousand dollars to give to um support trump's re-election well i guess that didn't work uh so that 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 you know that's that's what's going on in houston if you didn't know that's that's what the ownership looks like in houston and and don't be surprised if your favorite team uh gave some money to trump for his re-election and i'm sorry that y'all wasted all of your hard hard earned dollars you know donating to a loss that's just something that i wouldn't recommend you know i mean that that i wouldn't have told you guys to make that investment that wasn't it wasn't a good look but that's 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 your prerogative you know that's your man's i I get that you got to support your man and everything you do but that does not mean that all of your employees feel that way None of you know most of your players aren't Trump supporters. You know what I mean? No, most of your employees aren't Trump supporters. Now, Miss Amy Paulsick, you look at her social media. Her print tweet is deceased uh Chief Justice uh Ruth, right? Quote from her. Then, you know, she was tweeting support for Kamala. Very happy that Kamala and, and, and Biden won. Tweeted out a uh, a quote from, I think it was an Instagram comment from Reese Witherspoon. And, and from what I've seen, you know, from people, you know, known, knowing more situ- about the situation from me, more knowing more about the situation than me, it's clear that she was a liberal, aggressive thinker, not, you know, the opposite of the ownership in Houston. All of a sudden, they let her go. This this uh, apparently this is out of the blue because I've never seen this before. It's midway through the season and you're letting go of your PR your PR head. That 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 don't make no sense to me. Didn't make a lot of sense to everybody else in the league either. But Amy Amy was let go, and I'm sure she won't be unemployed for much longer. Somebody will appreciate her. But that just goes to show you. How nasty the NFL can be. And when I say the NFL, once again, I'm talking about the owners. Because all I can this this seems it looks like it's cut and dry. Hey, we support Trump here. Trump didn't win. We know we know you, you know, we know your political um affiliations, you know, we know what you support. So hey, I got lost, you gotta go. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. But deeper than that, women in sports, whether it be uh, women playing sports professionally, we talk about basketball, soccer, um, whether it be, you know, women in, in, in the media, analysts, mediators, writers, women in, in uh, management positions, VPs, uh, CEOs, etc., coaches, you know, they're all treated badly. Oh, you know, the majority of them are treated women in sports overall are treated badly, whether it's by the media or, you know, dumb fans or just in general. I, I, you know, we, we all see it. We all see it. Bleacher Report tweets about WNBA. It's a bunch of kitchen jokes following that. 
W, uh, they tweet about uh, tennis. They talk about um, women in tennis. You know, it's not a real sport. They don't care. Blah blah blah. Um, it, 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 you know, they, they they try to slight women as much as they can. Um, when it was International Women's Day, we had to, I had that episode back in what was that March, and I talked about this in detail, a whole show about it. If you haven't heard that, I, I I thoroughly recommend that one. So you look at this situation. Ownership, like I said, ownership come from the top. Nasty up there. This decision comes out of the blue. Like I said, everything right here, we all we're all speculating why she got fired. But it it just seems like how how is she, what is the culture fit? What what is the, what? How is she not fitting in the culture there? All of a sudden, is the question that I have for Houston Texans. Um, so it's a very odd situation. I didn't understand it. Um, so something to keep an eye on because I'm sure I'm sure she's not going to be quiet about this, and um, we'll hear we'll definitely hear more about it as the week uh, finishes up and you know this upcoming week. All right, let's move on here and talk about the NFL COVID playoff expansion. All right, so this kind of frustrated me. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. COVID, COVID all around has frustrated me. I feel like COVID has messed up a lot of things that we all had planned for 2020. Obviously, uh, for me, uh, right before the pandemic started, I was supposed to go to the Millennium Tour. I was gonna see Bow Wow. I was gonna see Soldier Boy. Bow Wow and Soldier Boy at the same time. This right here is my. Swag. That was gonna hit him with the um. What was gonna hit him with the uh Marco Polo, Marco Polo, Marco Polo, Marco. Polo. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, going, I'm I'm getting away. But I had a lot of things planned for COVID this year. I mean, wow, not for COVID. I had a lot of things planned for 2020, and COVID said, ah, no, don't think so. Um, so COVID has been throwing a monkey wrench in all of our plans this year, including sports. We all know, right? The bubble, blah blah blah, all that happened. Okay, boom. So NFL. Over this past, over this off season, they came up with a new NFL format, NFL playoff format. They came up with a new playoff format, and it just made things worse, in my opinion. You guys know, I think I talked about this, but I, I know I have because I hate it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um, so two teams were added. So now there are six wild card teams total. So it's seven teams in each conference, six six wild card teams. So they expanded from twelve to fourteen teams. Um, and now only the one seed gets a first round bye and home field throughout. Uh, well, they already got home field throughout, but you know the first round bye. Now the two seed has to play during wild card wild card weekend. I don't like that at all. I don't. I don't. I, I, I just don't see why that had to happen. Like that's so ugly. That's that's really ugly. I don't like that at all. So that made me upset. So now the COVID expansion. There'll be 16 playoffs, so they'll be adding two more teams, just making things much more murkier than they already are. Add two more teams to the playoffs, and this would only happen if meaningful games get canceled and can't be rescheduled in a possible week 18. So let's just hope and pray that these next seven weeks of NFL football go as planned. So please, please, NFL players and coaches, everybody, wear your mask, just wash your hands. Stay, please. Please, we don't need this. We don't need this. 
please we don't need this we really do not need this at all it's just it's just unnecessary at this point it's unnecessary why do we need to keep adding teams to the playoffs man we don't need this we don't need this now at the at the i guess a positive and this could be all right more football cool i'm never going to argue against more football i'm not going to do that more football okay cool i get that but it's just like bro If they do expand, I hope I don't. I'm, I'm sure this wasn't in, involved, included in all of this. But okay, if they did have to go to 16 teams, I think this, we should go back to the one and two seed getting buys because that just makes more sense. There shouldn't be a two seed playing a wild card weekend, man. That's just not right. It's icky. It doesn't feel right. Ew. I don't like it. Not a fan at all. Not a fan of it at all. Um. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely don't agree with that, but I get it though, because we we don't know what could happen at this point, and it just seems to me that now they're not trying to flex games anymore. Yo, y'all gonna play? Y'all gonna play? Look what they did to the Packers Forty Nineers. You got COVID positives on each side, bunch of injuries everywhere, and it was a short week, and you got these play, guys playing on Thursday night. Didn't flex the game. So it's obvious that they're trying not to do that. They're trying as as hard as possible to you know not to be in a position where they have to flex games, and to a certain extent I get that. But you have to think you know for the safety and the benefit of each team, you have to be fair. You know you have to be fair. So I I, I really do hope that you know we can get through the season without a hitch, without any more problems. But we already know that's probably not going to happen. But I hope you know when we start talking about hold excuse me. So let's talk about, you know, meaningful games, you know, elite division games, um, games where playoff seating is on the line, you know, division matchups, like I said, um, you know, if the division's on the line, stuff like that. You know, I just hope those games don't get ruined. And I just, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I hope everybody stays stays away from the COVID, man. We don't, we don't need any more of that. We do not need any more of that. Um, let's see. Where we at now? Where we at now? What, 50, 54 minutes? What, 53 minutes in? All right. Okay. Making good time here. Making good time here. Um, go, 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 go. Who's next? Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Let's finally talk about, you know, actually, let's talk about football. I, here's, here's, here's the thing. The Ravens have only lost two games, right? Only lost two games. They're not bad. They're not even in a bad spot. They're not in a bad spot. They're, they're in second place. They're in second place in the in the, in the AFC North. They're six and two. They're not doing bad. They're not doing bad at all. And and still we have issues. Lamar Jackson was on Rich Eisen's show, and he, and Lamar said, "Let's see, let me get the, the direct quote." Lamar said, "Opposing defenses are calling out Ravens plays at the line of scrimmage. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's not good. That's no bueno. That's not good. That's not good. That means that defenses." Not only are they prepared, 
No, they've really prepared. Like they, they got you. They got the test. They got the answers to the test. Not this. Not even on their hand. It's open notes. It's open book test. They ain't worried. They ain't even open book. Professor told them take it at home. What you think I'm gonna do at home? Yeah, you might be watching me on the computer. You might have the test monitor, but y'all, I'm gonna have this phone. I'm gonna have this iPad. We got you. We got you. We caught you. We caught you red-handed. We figured you out. You know, if that's really the case, that's not good. Who does that fall on, Greg Roman? Um, I think I've been saying this all season that the Ravens' offense just—it's just not hitting like it did last year. It's not hitting like it did last year, and and it's crazy that we have to do this because the Ravens are six and two. But like I was saying previously about the playoffs. Only one team gets the first round by and home field advantage. Last year, that was the Ravens. The Ravens were the number one seed, but that was in the two-team era, right? So you go 14-2, and that got you good enough for the one seed. You take home field advantage, and you lose to the Titans in the, in the, in the division round at home. All right, cool, whatever. We're new season now. But when you look at how the playoff race is looking right now, you you see how everybody's good this year. Everybody's going to get better. Everybody's better than they were last year. Even at 6 and 2, the Ravens don't look better than they did last year. Let's look at the numbers. Now numbers don't tell the full story, but they're a part of it. So last year, 20 this is 2019, through week 9, the Ravens scored 251 points, 3416 um yards total and total yards and then 1,639 rushing yards This year through uh, through week 9 They have 227 points 2,766 total yards And 1,361 rushing yards So they're down All of the numbers are down Slightly In a sense You know it's not that drastic It's not like they're 1,000 yards off Or 100 points off It's down and, and and it just made me want to look for reasons and talking with Ravens fans. You know, my mom, she's my mom knows a lot. All right. I told you guys this all this past two years of hosting the show. And, and I've told you guys that me and my mom, we go back and forth like Skip and Shannon. And we talked about this last night. And she says that, you know, being an avid Ravens fan, she knows this. She says that. Um, what she say? Oh, the running, the run game. She said the run game has been spotty this year, which I, which clearly we, you know, we see that. And she, and, and her thing was that they have just not been running it with who has the hot hand, and there's been too much going on in the backfield. And she thinks that you know they're trying to make Lamar do things that he can't really do with what he has. And I agree with that. And when and to piggyback off of that, I was saying, you know, we were agreeing with that. I look at the Ravens backfield. You got Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram dealing with his injury, but you got Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins, who else is back there? Justice Hill, right? It's four running backs. And these guys are sharing carries. Bro, it, it, I, okay, cool. You run by committee, but and you gotta also look at, you know, also you have Lamar. It should only be two running backs touching the ball through through four quarters, honestly. Evenly though. Evenly. 
It, it, it shouldn't be Because they, they can't get in the rhythm When you don't distribute the ball They can't get in the rhythm You're bringing guys in and out You, you got them in different formations You're not running them like you're supposed to And, and that, that it, there's no continuity to your offense when it, when it comes to the running game in the backfield Then I see a lot of Ravens fans on, on Twitter Because you know the Ravens and Packers They're playing on at the same time Or I, I can't you know the way the house is set up, the way the, the the way they be watching, I can't watch them at the same time. It's hard. It's hard. But I see that they're calling QB draws when they don't need to call QB draws, and the offense and, and the defense know what's coming. They know what's coming, so that's not it. That's not it. So the run game to me, you know, this year is it's it's not as potent. The offense is not as potent as it was last season because all defenses didn't know what the hell was going on. And, and and Lamar was just doing whatever he wanted, and and Mark Ingram was doing whatever he wanted, and this offense was just clicking like it was. It was it, they were some bad man pajamas last season, not this year. I don't think defenses are scared this year. Okay, yeah, we know Lamar's back there. Yeah, that's a problem. But the the Ravens' offense and its and its totality all together ain't nobody to be scared of. And like I said, man, they're six and two. I don't know why we're doing this, but they're six and two. You look at Lamar. You know, let's let's look at his his numbers this year. I didn't even think about him. Um, let's see. Let's see where we at right now. Right now, he's at what twelve and four, twelve touchdowns, four ints, um, fifteen, thirteen on the season, right? So that's where he's at, right? Not bad, but is it good enough for the offense this season? You know, Lamar, I don't know, man. Throwing one touchdown a game and, you know, the running, not really running that much. It's like they're trying to make him, from what I see, they're trying to make him throw the ball more in, in different spots. And it's just like, Okay, cool. You got Des Bryant now, but who who do the really who do the Ravens really have at receiver that can run these routes and 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 and, and allow Lamar to get to throw the ball outside and not just you know down down in the middle of the field to the tight ends. You know, I'm not looking at Hollywood Brown for that. Hollywood Brown don't even like getting touched out there. He diving, he getting down on the ground before anybody touch him because he built very small. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, but um, it's, it's the truth. He's not a big receiver. He's he's speedy, he's fast, but you can't beat everybody on a deep route. That's not gonna work every time. You don't have enough time for that most of the sometime, depending on what your line is doing. So I just think that Greg Roman, you know, I, a lot of Ravens fans are are, done, are tired of him and his play calling. I think that comes to it as well. That comes down to it as well, and it's just like you know you can't you can't make Lamar be uncomfortable in his own offense. You got to play to his strengths. You got to play to his strengths. You know what I mean? So, like I said, I think the Ravens are fine. I think they're okay. But when you look at the rest of the AFC, if you look at the the, the Steelers offense, the the Bills offense, the the Chiefs offense, um, the Titans offense. These are offenses that are they they know themselves. I don't think the Ravens know themselves this year. I don't think they have a true identity this year. Can't say they're a run first offense. Can't say they they pounding because they're really not this year. They're not really throwing it, and it's not really it's not balance. I don't think it's balance. 
It's uncertainty. I don't think they, I don't think Greg Roman knows what to do with this offense this year. Um, that's what that's my opinion. But like I said, they're six and two. It's a long season. Um, not counting the Ravens out of anything. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, just something, to, you know, just something to talk about, of course. But saw a lot of people freaking out about the Ravens. I think everybody just needs to calm down. That's it. T- take a damn chill pill. All right, please. Uh, um, let's go. Where we at next, man? Where to next? Let's see. Let's take a look at the itinerary. Where we at right now? All right, we did the, did the, did the Ravens. What's next? Uh, oh, okay. So Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, top two running backs in the league, rushing yards. Uh, you know, one and two, in the rushing leaders this year. Um, who did I say was gonna lead the league in rushing this year? Hold on, let me go. Oh, 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 let me go. Oh, oh, let me go look at my predictions. My bold predictions this season. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gotta go all the way back in the beginning of the book. Alrighty, bold predictions. Uh, where we at? Where we at? Where we at? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, I said Derrick Henry will. Oh, I said Derrick Henry was gonna uh win the rushing title and lead the league in touchdowns. Okay, so I might be right about one thing because he's shoot. I might be right about both. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, okay. I'm not gonna lie. Some of these predictions are coming to light, and I like that. I like that. Um, but yeah, I said Derek Cameron was gonna win the Russian title this year. So let's look at where he is right now. Um, let's see. Hold on, where the hold on, hold on. Now where my notes go? Where my notes go, baby? All right, so let's look at Dalvin Cook. All right, so seven games played, 144 rushes, 858 yards. Um, 6.0 yards per carry and 126.6 yards per game with 12 touchdowns on the season. Um, now, when limited to 12 to 17 touches, when he's only getting the ball 12 to 17 times, he's averaged 59.3 yards per game. That's only happened three times, but it seems like you have to really feed Dalvin Cook. You gotta keep. You gotta feed him in in order for him to cook. He's gotta get the ball 20 20 times or more, twenty five times or more. You can't just limit it, um, limit him to his carries. If the running game isn't working, you gotta you gotta keep pounding it. Keep pounding a rock, and he's you know he's gonna break one. He's got a seventy yards. His longest run this year was seventy yards. Um, Unfortunately, I've seen that up close and personal. Um, sorry, I had a little flashback, but yeah, man, that, I, I, I like Dalvin Cook's game. You know, he's a serious, hardcore, you know, pure running back. Um, he's serious. He's had uh, a buck eighty-one against the Titans, uh, buck thirty versus Houston, buck sixty-three <clears throat> versus Green Bay. <coughs> that one hurt. Um, and two hundred six recently, just this, uh, this was the last this past week. Against the uh, Vikings, he's been killing in the fantasy football this year. So shout out to Gavin for having him. I got to deal with that um, next week. Now we're not this week. Next week, um, then we got. Um, he's also effective in the past game as well. He can be a receiver, receiver back. Now he has had one fumble this year, just one fumble for loss. So that's just something to think about. Now Derrick Henry, eight games played, 182 rushes, 843 yards. So what's that? Uh, I wasn't good at math in school. What's that? 15, 15 yards separating them, right? Yeah, that's all. Um, 4.6 yards per carry, 105.4 yards uh, per game, and eight touchdowns on the season. Now, Derrick Henry was held to uh, under 104 times. 
So that's half the games played. He was held under uh, 100 yards four times. That's, that'll be something to, to look at tonight as he goes up against the Colts, who have not allowed a 100-yard rusher at all of this season. So just something to think about. Uh, 116 versus Denver, 119 versus Minnesota, and 212 versus Houston, and then 112 versus Cincinnati. So who's going to win the rushing title? I don't know. I'm, I might ask you guys on. The, I might make a poll. Ask you guys because I don't know. It's going to be a close race, though. It's definitely going to be a close race. Um, and their schedules, you know. Let me see. Hold on. Let me see. What's the rest of this uh, season looking like? Um, the Titans. All right, let's look at the Titans. All right, they got the Colts tonight. Then they play the Browns. Whoa, wait, whoa. They got the Colts tonight. Then they play the Ravens. The Colts again. Sheesh. Then the Browns. Then the Titans. Wow, the Titans. <laughs> the Jags, I mean, the Lions. Then the Packers. And then the Texans. All right, so here's 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 what I can see. I don't know what he's going to do tonight. I'm going to save that for my pick four. But I don't. He killed the Ravens in the Jags. I forgot he did that to the Ravens. Ah, man, he smoked the Ravens. And they coming back to the bank. Oh, my goodness. That's not a good thing. Um, sorry. So, I'm going to leave that in limbo. I don't know if the Ravens are going to stop him. Then you got to play the Colts again. Now, depending on what they do tonight, I'll have my opinion about the Colts. But, you know, the entire rushing defense right now, basically. Um, Browns, he, he might run over them. He's going to probably run all over the Jags, as he usually do. Oh, he going to smoke the Lions. He going to smoke the Lions. Um, oh, Damn. Damn, why got, I forgot we got to see De, uh, King Henry this year. Jesus. Ah! You know what, man? I hope, I hope Green Bay, everybody in Green Bay eat their Wheaties that morning. Oh, Lord. King Henry is coming to Green Bay. I don't know. He might smoke us, man. He might smoke the Texans. So. Oh, yeah, he already smoked them. Did he smoke the Texans? Yeah, he already smoked them. Smoked them for two two twelve, so he might put another Houston pack in the air at the end of the season. So, yeah, man, Derrick Henry's got a good chance at winning a rushing title. Um, outside of those two games against the Colts and then seeing the Ravens, and let's look at the Vikings schedule. See who uh Derek uh excuse me Dalvin Cook will be running against this uh closing uh remaining of the season. Oh God, the Bears on Monday night this week. That might be tough. Uh, the Cowboys, no, that's light. Panthers, that's light. The Jags, that's light. The Bucks, that's going to be tough. The Bears again, that's going to be tough. The Saints, eh, that might be light. Uh, and then you're going to smoke the Lions again. So both of them, I mean, it's, it's up in the air. It's up in the air. But I know that one of them probably will win it because they're, over, they're, they're, they're both over 300 yards um, over who's in third and fourth place. Like they, they're, they're running away with this. At this point, it's probably going to, where we at, week 10? Seven weeks left. I am I, I unless something crazy happens. I think it's a two horse race for the rushing title. And um, hey man, I'm putting my money on my number one draft kit, uh, draft pick, man, King Henry, for sure. I'm putting my money on King Henry. Yes, indeed. Um, but I'll, I'll probably do a poll and you guys tell me what you guys think. You tell you tell me, you tell me. He came up to me after the game. You a grown man acting like that. Um, let's see. Where we got with it, man? We're one ten in, one ten. Are right, we almost done? Don't worry, we almost done. We'll, we'll pass to say, I'm not gonna hold you. I'm not gonna be before you long. I ain't gonna hold you long. The next thing you know, 
you didn't miss half the damn game because you were in church. Um, all right. So, oh yeah, man. Before before I get to the uh, week week ten pick four and, and wrap up and get you guys out of here, I'm I probably going. You know what? I'm gonna take five five minutes for some Flacco appreciation. Monday night, man, I wanted to go to my closet of jerseys and, and, and get out my black Baltimore Ravens Joe Flacco jersey because I was just feeling nostalgic watching that first half of Joe Flacco football, man. He was lighting the Patriots up. Now, you guys talk about Eli Manning as the Patriots killer. All right, he did it two times in the Super Bowl, but Flacco did it a couple times in the playoffs. Wild card game, he went up there. Smoke Brady. And then he got him. He got him. He could have got him twice. Back to back. Could have got him in the AFC title game. He got him once. Could have got him twice. Lee Evans, Billy Cundiff. Y'all know what y'all did. But Flacco has always played the Patriots good. Um, and 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 then um, in general, man, you know, people don't talk about Flacco's playoff record. It's not bad. And he's had no first-round exits. I think that's something that people should talk about more. And as a rookie, he went to the AFC title game. Like, <laughs> Flacco's track record ain't nothing to laugh at. He just, what, he just passed Joe Montana on the all-time passing yards list. That's big. Um, his arm's big. He's still got the bazooka. Bro, he was just flicking his wrist the other night. And the balls were just flying down the field. Flacco's had one of the strongest arms in football. Definitely. Definitely, I think, and I think if I could compare him to anybody in the league, you know, starting right now, having success, I think Josh Allen, for just arm strength, can match. You know, you know, all right, we know Mahomes is a he has a nuke. We know that, but Josh Allen, he yeah, yeah, because Flacco be hanging them, bro. He still be hanging them joints like bombs over Baghdad, just hanging them. Um. And then, you know, he had that hell of a uh, playoff run in 2012, man. Beat Peyton Manning, you know, with the Mile High Miracle. Hung one up to Jacoby Jones, game winner. Uh, what was that, 12, 12 touchdowns, no picks that whole Super Bowl run. Um, and he was, you know, he had the had the wild card Ravens. They beat the Colts at home, beat the Broncos at Mile High, then went up to Foxborough and beat Brady. Um, Flacco's had a good career, man. I, I, I definitely, you know... Outside of the the down years, you know, had a couple good playoff runs with the Ravens. Um, injuries, you know, plagued him at the end of his career, and then you know, ultimately led to the the rise of Lamar Jackson. And then it was over for him in Baltimore. You know, he had a stint in Denver that didn't go well. Got hurt, hurt his neck in Denver, and now he's backing up Sam Darnold and still showing you guys he can he can sling it, man. So, yeah, man, some Flacco appreciation. I feel like Flacco, you know, he became a meme, a joke. Uh, is Flacco a leader? Nah, blah, blah, blah. But Joe Flacco, man, has had a, a better career than a lot of people think. Definitely. Super Bowl MVP, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm not sleeping on Flacco's body of work, man. I, I love me some Joe Cool, man. Coolest, coolest MF on the planet. Coolest DJ on the planet. For sure, man. Sure, for sure. Just, just a little Joe Flacco appreciation, man. I, I just felt like I had to get get that off my chest. But all right, man. Let's wrap on up so I can get you guys out of here. This has officially become the longest episode of Electrify. So everybody, clap it up for that. That's great. That's a great thing. Um, let's talk about the pick four for this week. Um, what four games did I pick? 
Let's see where we at right now. Da, 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 da. All right, let's see. All right, so we got the six and two Seattle Seahawks going up, going to uh, L.A. to play the the Rams at five and three, or just come off a of bye. Now look, I think this was a game that I was waiting for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. How I was excited for this game, um, for you know, battling the NFC West the first time these teams have seen each other. Now let's look at this. Both teams have lost to the Bills. The Seahawks are trying to bounce back after a loss. Um, they just got smoked by the Bills. Uh, the Rams are three and zero at home this year, fresh off a of bye. Um, the Rams are five and zero in conference play, zero and one in the division. The Seahawks are three and zero in conference play, and one and one. In the division, so this is a great chance for the Rams to close in on the Seahawks, and a chance for the Seahawks to continue to separate themselves from the rest of the rest of the, the, the rest of the division. I'm interested to see Jalen take on any of these uh, receivers in Seattle. I'm, I'm I'm looking at DK. I would like to see that. that's big on big right there. I would I, I want and that's gonna get physical. I think that game is gonna get physical. Um, and I expect big things from the Ram receiving core because even though Jamal Adams is back, last time I saw him before Sunday, he was getting smoked by Julian Edelman. So I expect a big game for Cooper Cup. I think Mini Coop going to do his thing. Um, so I'm taking Rams by nine in that game. It'll be a good one, though. Then we got the Bengals uh, taking on the 8 0 Steelers. Now, Cincy has had their bye, but before that, they had a big win over Tennessee. So I'm sure they're still, you know, they're they're feeling good about that. Um, now this is another team, another team. You know, I've seen Joe Barrow take the team down the field in clutch time, and then they miss a field goal. Um, you know, they lost to Indy by four, lost to the Chargers by three. The first game against the the Browns, they lost by five. The second game against the Browns, they lost by three. So you look at this team. They could be they could they could have a better record than they have. Definitely. They're a good team. They're they're they just still missing some pieces. Um and you know they've been losing close games. They've been losing close games and the Steelers have been winning close games. I think I touched on that Tuesday. How the Steelers have been winning close games and they're you know, being eight no a win is a win, but they've been slipping slipping the sliding through their schedule, I'm not gonna lie to you. And it's not a hard schedule. So I'm taking the Bengals with the upset, man. Bengals by five. I think the Bengals are gonna upset the Steelers this weekend and end undefeated streak. Yeah, I'm taking the Bengals. Taking the Bengals. Oh, how can I forget the game tonight? The Thursday night game. AFC South matchup. Colts um versus Titans. So Titans six and two, Colts five and three. That is interesting. Another six and two versus five and three. This reminds me of my fantasy league. Let me hold on. Pause real quick. Let me tell you. Let me show you guys something. Tell you guys something. So my fantasy football league, right now in the standings, my guy Dom he's six and three. Daniel six and three. Rob is six and three. I'm five and four. Carson's four and five, and then we got um, Gavin at four and five. So that's the six playoff teams. Then you got um, Dev at four and five. Another four and five record. Nick at three and six, and then Morgan last place again at three and six. It's like. Everybody has a chance right now. Like everybody in it. Like you got me and Carson. We're playing this week. I'm five and four. He's four and five. Um, I got a, that's a four versus a five. You got a seven versus a ten, eight versus a nine, a six versus a three, and then a one versus a two. We got the two top seeds playing each other this week. Like it's gonna be crazy. But that's what's going on right now in the NFL. So back to what I'm saying. So the Colts defense 
has not allowed any running back to rush for 100 yards against them this season. Um, they've only given up six rushing touchdowns. Uh, but the Colts are 0-1 in, in the division so far, 2-2 two two in conference play. The Titans are 2-0 in, in the division and 2-2 and two and two in conference play. So it, it, it begs the questions. You know, it, it, it all will come down to how effective can Derrick Henry be against this stout Colts defense and how can the Colts bounce back from their loss against the Ravens. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that tonight Derrick Henry rushes for 105 yards and two touchdowns. I think Derrick Henry becomes the first rusher to rush for 100 yards on the Indianapolis Colts this year. I'm taking the Titans by three. It's going to be a good game, though. It's definitely going to be a good game. And then the Sunday night game, we got the Ravens at 6-2 and two, taking on the 3-5 and five Patriots. Uh, we got Lamar versus Cam. Um, in this game, I really hope to see Dez be more effective. I think it's time to let Dez out, man. It's Weapon X, man. Throw up the X. I think Dez is going to be the X factor for the Ravens closing the season out and moving hopefully to the playoffs. Um, and it's like, you know, what will Belichick be able to scheme up against this Ravens offense? You know, how what, what will he do on defense? Being as though this Ravens offense has become sort of kind of predictable. So that's going to be a big thing. And um, I don't know, though. I think I'm going to take the Ravens by 10. I think it's going to be a good game, though, for sure. For sure. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the show. That's all I got for you guys this week, man. So good, good, good week. I'll be back on Tuesday. Um, shout out to everybody, you know, all the listeners, supporters. Thank you for everybody. Make sure you continue to repost, retweet, like, all that good stuff. Um, get you guys some merch. Uh, make sure you continue to follow at Electrified Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Eric Lyons TV and Instagram at Eric Lyons TV. Um, shout out to Stadium Scene TV. Thank you guys. Shout out to DJ and Kate. Um, shout out to all my listeners, everybody, man. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, man. Share this episode. This is a very important episode to me. Um, I hope you guys learned something today. I hope you guys took this episode as a learning experience and enjoyed it. Every minute of it. Um, I do this, guys. I do this for you guys, man. I don't do this. I don't talk to myself. I do this for you guys. Um, I appreciate you guys for continuing to listen and support me through the ups and the downs of my life and the show. Um, so thank you guys for that. I'll be back on Tuesday, man. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Um, wear your mask. Wash your hands. All that stuff, man. For the 118th time, I'm Eric Lyons. You have just been electrified.